The Island Digest is a sampling of the stories in this week's Journal of the San Juans, Islands Sounder, and Islands Weekly, which are on newsstands now. The June 29th edition is brought to you by Orcas Center's Summer Concert Series and EDC of San Juan County. Check out the July 4th special pages in this week's editions, featuring all of the local events this holiday weekend, plus specials from advertisers. From the front page of the Journal of the San Juans, this headline, Islanders Gather on Courthouse Steps to Demand Accountability, by Heather Spaulding. Approximately 25 people, many young teens, stood in front of the courthouse in Friday Harbor at noon on June 21st, demanding accountability for rapists. That is the reason we are here today. We are demanding accountability, said Courtney Oldwin, an island mother of a son and daughter who organized the event. The protest was spurred on by the fact that bail was not imposed on Jason Ryan Aldis, 37, of Friday Harbor, after he had been accused of misconduct with a minor. Aldis's preliminary court appearance was on June 3rd. While Judge Catherine Loring did not impose bail, she did issue a pretrial sexual assault protection order and a drug and alcohol monitoring device. Aldis's arraignment was originally scheduled for June 21st, but has been moved to June 27th at 9.30 a.m. The protest was scheduled to occur during the original arraignment, but the group decided to continue with the event. The defendant is being charged with rape in the second degree, sexual exploitation of a minor, distribution of controlled substance to a person under age 18, and sexual misconduct with a minor in the first degree. Heather Clark, another island mother who was protesting, said, If we are not going to stand up for our most vulnerable, who are we standing up for? One of the younger protesters, Maddie Miller, said, We live in such a small community. It's very important for our young girls to feel safe. We need to speak out. Young people are getting assaulted. And if people don't speak out, it will continue. The victim also attended the protest. It's unfair. I spent hours and hours in the courtroom while he walks free and does what he wants, she said. The journal reached out to Aldous's lawyer, Alexander Fritz, for a comment, but did not receive a response. From the Islands Sounder, Dr. Joe Gatos hangs up his scrubs, but just at the Orcas Animal Shelter, by Colleen Smith. Some know him as an esteemed wildlife veterinarian. To others, he's the doctor who cared for the thousands of cats and dogs who have passed through the shelter. After 20 years, Joe Gatos has retired from his volunteer position as staff vet for the Orcas Animal Protection Society. He has been balancing his work as the chief scientist for the CDOC Society, a program of the University of California, Davis, with volunteering at the shelter. His last day was June 6th. The shelter made it possible. I love what they're doing, and I love being able to help out. I would come after work one day a week and stay until the job was done. They were flexible with me, Gatus said. I felt like, wow, 
I have been doing this for 20 years, and I would like to have a little more time to myself. I sometimes work 60 to 70 hours a week at Sea Dock, and I want to have my evenings to myself. And there seem to be other vets interested in helping out. It's time to pass the torch. Dr. Mike Boero and Dr. Terry Dowdle have stepped up as the new on-call vets for APS. The Shelter Board says it will continue its mission to provide the best care possible to our shelter cats and dogs as well as those in our community, utilizing our low-cost spay-neuter program. He has been an integral part of the shelter's success from the beginning, said Orcus APS Director Christina Snyder. Gatos was approached for the role in 2002, the year the facility opened, by Protection Society co-founder Marsha Wanch. He has performed more than 1,700 spay and neuter surgeries, as well as removed tumors, done biopsies, and more. The incredible impact Dr. Joe had over so many years of dedicated veterinary work at the animal shelter has made a huge difference for Orcas Island, Wanch said. With Joe's skills and support, he helped make the animal shelter an amazing facility that set the standard for others to emulate. Not only did he keep all the shelter animals in the best of health, but he also dealt with the ever-expanding feral cat population. Gato says he spent many years getting the wild feral cat problem under control by performing spaying and neutering on animals that were trapped and brought in by volunteers and community members. There was a turning point that then the shelter could offer low-cost spay and neuter clinics for the public, he said. And ecologically, it's amazing. The birds are thanking us. Gato says one of the strangest cases he saw on his table was a series of cryptorchid cats, which means one testicle had not descended. It is very odd for cats to have this, but I had 15 in one year, he remembers. They were all coming from a certain part of the island that had a predisposition. They told us in vet school, you may see one, if ever, during your career. It's so rare. Gatos always knew he wanted to work with creatures big and small. I was one of those kids who grew up catching snakes and going fishing, Gatos said. I found a poisonous caterpillar at two and was so excited I didn't even notice my hand was swollen. Going through school, I was really interested in disease and health. I was really lucky I was able to go to college and get good enough grades for vet school. I love what I do. He went to veterinary school at the University of Pennsylvania and upon graduating immediately took a job in Zimbabwe with the Philadelphia Zoo. After returning to the States, Gatos ran a mixed animal vet practice in West Virginia for four years before earning a Ph.D. in wildlife population health at the University of Georgia. Then my wife said no more school, not even a cooking class, he laughed. In 2001, Gatos moved to Orcas for his position at the Sea Dock Society and to raise a family. His eldest daughter, Hannah, is now 24, and his youngest, Olivia, is 21. He and his wife, Julie Brunner Gatos, welcomed adopted daughter Celestine into their lives when she was in high school. She's now 26. 
With a bit more free time, Gatos intends to reignite his interest in playing the banjo and gardening with his wife. He also loves to travel, particularly to sub-Saharan Africa, and diving anywhere he can see fish, sharks, and cool stuff. His work at the animal shelter was all volunteer, but APS provided a stipend to cover his malpractice insurance and license fees. One of the unexpected benefits for Gatos was keeping surgery skills fresh for the occasional times he'd perform procedures in the field on wildlife. Gatos says he will most miss the humans he's connected with during his many years at Orcus APS. I really enjoyed the animals, but I love the people, the staff, the volunteers, the members of the public. It's just a great group of people, he said. It feels like being a family doctor. It's a nice feeling to be a part of the community in that way. From the Islands Weekly Former French teacher finds her passion, a second career in medicine. By Barbara Clements, Media Relations, UW Medicine. Kim Dugan read the letter from the Oregon Health and Science University Medical School. Then she read it again. Welcome to the class of 2008, the acceptance letter began. At age 47, the high school French teacher had thought she didn't stand a chance in the pre-med classes or even getting past the interviews to be considered for a slot at OHSU. As a mother of two young children, she had had to juggle being a synchronized swimming mom, Cub Scout mom, and tutor, all the while studying for her classes and eventually the MCAT. Then there was the hurdle of the interviews. She dreaded getting a 20-something PhD, quote, who would take one look at me and decide I was too old for medical school, said Dugan, who started as clinic chief for the UW Medicine Primary Care at Lopez Island on June 1st. Then fate had stepped in. Her first interview was with a doctor who greeted her with, Oh, I hear we are stealing you from a noble profession. The doctor's wife was a high school teacher. The next interview was with a 20-something, but a young doctor who grew up in Quebec, where she'd studied for her undergrad degree. He happened to speak fluent French. We conducted the interview switching back and forth, said Dugan, talking from her 300-square-foot tiny home she's now renting on the island. In a way, landing the job and moving to Lopez has been a homecoming of sorts. This is such a great community, and I love it here, she said, laughingly calling her own wish to become a doctor a midlife crisis. Her journey began when she graduated with majors in French and art history, with designs on working for the Metropolitan Museum of Art. She did not get the job. Dugan and her husband eventually turned their eyes west and decided to go to Washington State arriving just as Mount St. Helens blew in 1980. With all their belongings, three cats and two dogs crammed into a jeep, the couple finally found a KOA campground where they could wait until the ash settled down, ignoring the frantic phone calls from family, wondering if they had to run from the lava. Nope, no lava, just ash. Dugan finally landed a job in Carnation, 
teaching French, and then eventually at Lake Washington High School, where she taught for the next 16 years. The Columbine shooting in 1999 rattled her, and she began to get restless with her chosen career. She left school teaching and became a certified nursing assistant. About that time, her husband lost his job in Seattle, so the couple moved south to Portland, where her husband found a job at Intel, and Dugan began working in a cardiac unit at one of the hospitals there. I looked around at the doctors and thought, I could do that, she remembered. So she started her pre-med classes at the age of 42 at Portland Community College. The community college professors took it upon themselves to help her through the toughest classes, such as organic chemistry. She passed. Then came the medical school application and the dreaded interviews. She graduated from medical school at 51 and did her residency at Group Health. She loved her rotations, but especially focused her passion on working with teens and the OBGYN. Her career since has taken her to Bainbridge Island and Olympia, where her kids, now grown, babysit the Olympia house along with four cats and five dogs. Her clinical interests include ADHD ADD, addiction medicine, behavioral health, chronic disease management, diet and nutrition, and she loves working with teens. The goal of medicine is to help people and not judge them, especially people dealing with addiction, she said. The goal is to help them get where they wish to be and respect their journey. County News Vultures Are Frequent Flyers at Orcas Airport by Diane Craig Turkey vultures are everywhere, it seems, and they're wreaking havoc at island airports. Port of Orcas Airport Manager Jeannie Sharp is making more pilots aware of their increased presence with reminders to stay aware and stay safe. On Monday, June 20th, she released an email noting that there was a bird strike at Orcas today, which was most likely a turkey. Nobody was hurt, but the turkey did not fare so well, unfortunately. We have searched for the reason the vultures might be around, she continued. And, except for today's turkey, I don't know why the vultures frequent the airport recently. We wondered, too, so we asked Barbara Jensen, president of the local chapter of the Audubon Society, why Orcas Airport might be seeing an increased number of the winged carrions. Of course, the vulture increase at Orcas Airport could be due to a dead carcass of something in the area, Jensen said. But it's also likely that there's more at the airport because there are more turkey vultures. We've seen an explosion in Washington's turkey vulture population over the past 35 years, Jensen said, a growth that can be attributed somewhat to climate change. Plus, she added, runway asphalt contributes to a thermal effect that provides the large-winged birds much-needed lift. Turkey vultures are not the best flyers and need all the help they can get to get airborne, so it's not surprising to find them gravitating to airports. Friday Harbor's airport is seeing an influx as well, she said. Jensen wanted to remind the population that turkey vultures are a protected species under the Migratory Bird Act of 1918, which makes the killing of one a felony, with a penalty up to $200,000 for an organization, $100,000 for an individual, and or up to one year in prison. 
For more information about the turkey vulture explosion and other local bird populations, visit the Facebook page San Juan Islands Audubon. From the Office of the Governor, Murray Democrats push Biden for bold action to protect abortion access in a post-Roe America. U.S. Senator Patty Murray, chair of the Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee, led 33 Democratic senators in a letter to President Joe Biden urging bold action to protect the right to abortion after the conservative wing of the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade and Republicans made this generation of women the first with fewer rights than their mothers. We appreciate that in your speech yesterday, you acknowledged the reality that the health and life of women across this nation are now at risk. Now is the time for bold action to protect the right to an abortion. You have the power to fight back and lead a national response to this devastating decision. So we call on you to take every step available to your administration across federal agencies to help women access abortions and other reproductive health care, and to protect those who will face the harshest burdens from this devastating and extreme decision, wrote the senators. The letter comes as 22 states have laws in place to ban or severely restrict access that are triggered by the court's decision, with seven statewide abortion bans already in effect as of yesterday. Meanwhile, Republicans have made clear they will not stop with overturning Roe. Next, they will push for a national abortion ban. Former Vice President Mike Pence even said that Republicans, quote, must not rest and must not relent until abortion rights are gone in every state in the land. There is no time to waste. Nearly half of the states already had laws in place to ban abortion or severely restrict access as soon as the Supreme Court decision came down. Many states enacted those laws immediately, and at least a dozen are set to follow suit in the coming days and weeks. Those laws will leave millions of Americans without access to essential reproductive health care. The chilling reality is that our daughters and granddaughters now have fewer rights than their mothers and grandmothers. Women across the country are now being told by states what choices they can and cannot make when it comes to their own health and reproductive choices. This is dangerous and horrifying, and it will endanger women's lives, continued the senators. We cannot stand idly by as Republicans rip away women's rights, and we know they will not stop with this decision. They are already eyeing a national abortion ban. Senator Murray has led the push urging the Biden administration to act to protect abortion rights. During a hearing she led in May, Senator Murray pressed Secretary Becerra on the administration's plans to protect the right to abortion and noted that, quote, I have been warning for years that this is Republicans' goal, and people need to see leadership from the Biden administration on this, too. So I hope to hear more from you today about the administration's plan to respond to this latest attack and protect women's health, because make no mistake, women's lives are on the line. Since then, she has continued urging action, leading a letter alongside Senator Warren 
calling on President Biden to immediately issue an executive order to launch an all-of-government response to protect abortion access, including by increasing access to medication abortion, providing resources for those seeking abortion care in other states, protecting sensitive data, and using federal property and resources to increase access to abortion. She has been outspoken in urging the president to act, saying in a press conference, We're going to be loud. We're going to be relentless. Because, Mr. President, we need a plan to protect reproductive rights in America, and we need it now. And now, excerpts from the Sheriff's Log. June 15th. A deputy on San Juan spoke with a citizen who wanted to report that images were continuing to be implanted into other images on their cell phone. After speaking with the citizen, it was discovered that there was no law enforcement action to be taken. A deputy responded to a littering call about a large bag of garbage that was left on private property on Lopez. The deputy sifted through the garbage and discovered the identity of the owner, who is currently incarcerated. A third party volunteered to assist in moving the garbage. A Lopez deputy responded to a report of someone running a weed whacker too close to the road on a blind corner. When asked, the weed whacker explained they were trying to increase visibility to protect bikers from vehicle traffic on the blind corner. On June 16th, Orcas deputies pulled up a shrimp pot that had gone adrift off the south end of Lopez and contacted the owner. On June 18th, a deputy on San Juan responded to a call and observed a person rolling all the way down Spring Street to Circle Park. Citizens declined to pursue legal action for disorderly conduct, and the roller was advised to stay out of the road. A deputy was dispatched to a report of a person sleeping. The person was later seen walking around not violating any laws. On June 19th, a deputy on San Juan responded to a report of an unwanted person. However, the person was invited onto the premises and was not currently violating any laws. A deputy on San Juan responded to a building alarm and discovered an unsecured door. A few people had entered the building to use the bathroom and then left. The deputy secured the door, checked the building, and contacted a person with authority of the building. On June 21st, a deputy on San Juan responded to a report of animal abuse on a yacht. The yacht was located and the owner was contacted. The dogs had food and water and were not afraid of the deputy or their owner. They appeared happy and healthy, with no apparent signs of abuse. This concludes the June 29th edition of the Island Digest, brought to you by Orcas Center and San Juan EDC. The Orcas Center is presenting a free summer concert series in the Village Green in East Sound starting in June and running through August. Learn more at www.orcascenter.org. EDC of San Juan County strives to support small rural enterprises, conduct projects to stimulate new job creation, and strengthen the economic base for working families. Visit 
www.sanjuansedc.org to learn more. Thank you for listening to the Island Digest. Tune in next week for more news from the Journal of the San Juans, the Islands Sounder, and the Islands Weekly, here in San Juan County.